Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach. You're listening to episode number 71 of our podcast, and I'm so excited for you today to hear from Coach Stephen De La Serta. He's currently the head baseball coach at North Dallas High School in Dallas, Texas. Just an incredible man, incredible man of high character, of faith. I can't wait for you to hear his testimony. Just powerful, one of the most powerful testimonies I believe I've ever heard. Just another reminder of how Jesus can radically save someone and use them to reach others for the gospel. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Stephen. Pleasure. Thank you for you having me. Yes, sir. You bet. So I always like to start with some background info. So if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, a little about your family growing up, what sports did you play, and a little about your family today. Yeah, so, um, well, currently I'm, I'm the uh, government uh, teacher here at North Dallas High School, also the head baseball coach. Um, uh, this is my sixth year here. I originally am from Pearsall, Texas, which is about 50 miles southwest of San Antonio. Um, you know, I like to say that there's more cattle than pure, uh, people there. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I grew up, uh, I'm one of four siblings. Uh, my mother, uh, amazing woman, um, you know, I grew up kind of small town, um, you know, playing every sport, um, you know, working at a young age and, and uh, you know, kind of my, my mother's foundation was always getting education, um, you know, uh, early on, my father wasn't in, in the picture. Uh, you know, my father was, you know, throughout the years has been, whether it was drug addiction, alcohol addiction, uh, was abusive. Um, you know, my mom left him when I was uh, a few years old. And so kind of growing up, you know, my mother was the backbone of, of the family. Uh, she was working multiple jobs, taking night classes, just get a degree. Um, and so our focus was kind of figuring out a way how to raise ourselves sometimes and, and working, um, getting an education, and then, and then sports was kind of our, our outlet, if you mm -hmm. will. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was lucky to have a mom who supported me through all that. And uh, several years later, this is when she, she married my, uh, my stepfather. Um, and he's, he's been with us since, since I was four, you know. So he's been with me for a while. He's, he's my dad, and I'm blessed to have him in my life. But as I'm growing up, you know, sports kind of just – Playing football, baseball, basketball, anything, you know, we can find and, you know, a lot of hunting and fishing and just kind of the outdoors life out there. And um, I started to, um, you know, be pretty decent at, at multiple sports, particularly baseball. And, um, you know, it afforded me some avenues and, um, you know, just kind of allowed for me to stay focused and disciplined mm -hmm. as, as a young man. Um, and, uh, you know, I, after uh you know, getting into graduation, I was, you know, able to offer to go play some places. Um, instead, I decided I wanted to go to Texas State, um, which, um, you know, I thought I had a good chance of trying to play some ball there. I uh, realized pretty quickly that I wasn't as good as I thought I was. <laughs> um, so um, after a year, that didn't come to fruition. And so, you know, I was at a crossroads with whether I wanted to stay at Texas State or not, because my initial thought was I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, and I uh, ended up staying there um, and uh, graduated and, um, you know, just continued uh, uh, on my, my path to where I am now, um, you know. And so, you know, the, you know, my story is not much different than a lot of the kids that I, that I work with here at North Dallas. And so, you know, to be able to be here at North Dallas and, and work with these young men and women is just kind of a blessing for me because it's, it's almost a mere reflection of, of who I am and the way I grew up. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your faith journey. Um, you know, you, you, look, you talk a little bit about your mom being the, the, the foundation of your family. Um, so did you grow up in a family of faith? And then, you know, when you and I talked on the phone a couple of weeks ago, you, t you, you talked briefly about your story. And I've heard from couple other of our previous guests here that recommended you to see you have a powerful testimony. So talk, walk us through that journey of finding Jesus, that personal relationship. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, my mother is a catalyst to everything. Um, she holds everything together. Um, you know, growing up, I did see some things, you know, um, that I wouldn't wish upon anybody. Uh, my mother's a strong, strong woman. Uh, my mother has, has gone through you know, uh, a very brutal marriage, um, 
she some family dynamics in which she was you know had to endure as well growing up as a young lady um, and kind of going through that she still um, you know we grew up in, in the Catholic Church uh, we, we grew up going to church and we go to Sunday school um, every Sunday we were part of it and so I was exposed as, as a young age to to um, to Christ and, and what that looked like however it, it was um, I was baptized at 14, but all through those adolescent years and even my younger years, I didn't understand what a relationship mm. with Christ um, was. I, I, I felt like, you know, hey, we have to go to church. It was mm-hmm. something that we had to do. It was part of what my, my mother expected of us, but it was also what you did in a small town. You know, you oh, play yeah. football on Friday and you go to church on Sunday. And so, you know, I, I didn't never really understood what the relationship part mm-hmm. um, looked like. And so... Um, but my mother was still adamant about it, and I know looking back now, she probably wished that she would um, uh, have afforded us more opportunities to dive into the relationship part of Christ. And so, you know, we were exposed to it, but it wasn't something that was, that was you know, extremely big, if you will. And, um, you know, it wasn't until I got into college um, that I joined an organization called Brothers Under Christ. And um, I met some guys there who were just phenomenal guys and it was just straight diving into scripture and the word and and part of my story in, in finding christ was there was a uh, bible study worship night and a young lady asked me to go and the only reason i was going was because mm-hmm. the young lady was going and um you know i went i went one thursday and i went the next thursday and i went the next thursday after that so i started realizing that she wasn't going anymore and i was the one continuously going and, um, you know, it was my, my freshman year of college that up on Enchanted Rock in Fredericksburg that I gave my life to Christ. And mm. I fully understood what it meant to have a relationship with Christ. And, um, you know, although I'd been exposed to, um, to church and the word, um, that was the moment that I broke down and got down on my knees. And, and, and I felt that, that this was real, that this was powerful. And, um, and I haven't looked back since. Yep. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. I know a lot of people, um, especially like you said in the small towns, you grow up going to church but don't really grasp it until later that it's more than just going. Cause it's almost like, I, like you said, I have to. And, and, and part of that was, so we grew up in Catholic church. Um, most of my family, um, immediate family, still Catholic. You know, my, my core family, my three siblings and my parents are no longer Catholic. Um, and and for us, it, it was, we, we were in a bubble, if you will, of, of kind of the do's and don'ts and the wins and when nots. And so when we finally got out of our small town, we got out of our bubble, you know, we started to follow scripture. We started to focus on the relationship part. Mm-hmm. We started to understand the power of worship um, and fellowship. And so that is, you know, after that, and, and, and I want to be clear, you know, I, I think the Catholic Church was the foundation to to spearheading me to build a relationship. You know, although I'm no longer Catholic, it was, um, you know, it was see, uh, going to different churches in college and, and networking with different people and fellowshipping with different people that allowed me to um, get outside that small town bubble, if you will. Absolutely, yeah. And you mentioned earlier that you are a baseball coach. So um, what led you, because you mentioned you wanted to be a lawyer, um, what led you into coaching and, and kind of talk about your, your coaching journey? Yeah, so my, my mother's been in education for years. My sister's a teacher. Um, my other sister um, was, you know, that was going to be her calling until she had, you know, took a different route. Um, and my brother's always been in the arts, and he's worked in, in California with kids as well. And, and kind of that's always been in the back, uh, back part of kind of who our family is, working with, with, with the youth. Um, but after I realized that baseball wasn't going to do it for me and I was taking uh, political science, criminal justice classes, and I was doing all that, I thought I was going to get into politics finally. Um, I realized I'm going to put law school on hold. And so I moved to New Mexico right af- after college. Um, and um, there is where I worked for a, a congressman out there, second congressional district. And, you know, we worked on campaign and, 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 um, and I realized that 
politics is pretty messy, um, and it's not a, it's not, it wasn't a way for me to, to really want to live my life. And I'd, prior to that, I had worked on different campaigns. I'd worked for county judges and state reps and uh, a U.S. senator. I had done different work for various um, campaigns, and I thought that was something that was going to be important to me to kind of pursue what I felt that the Lord was calling me to do. Um, after that, I was, I was dating a young lady um, for about two and a half years whom I thought, you know, that I was going to marry. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I found out really quickly that, um, you know, her parents didn't, um, well, they didn't appreciate that, that or like that I was, I was Hispanic. And uh, mm. that kind of broke our relationship down. Um, and um, she's still a great wo- woman, and her and I still talk. Uh, but it was, um, that was a tough point for me. And so I was in New Mexico when that, that occurred. So I moved back down to, um, to Sugarland outside of Houston. I was working with um, the Young Life. I was working with the Young Life and, um, you know, just kind of networking with kids and fellowshipping with kids and still pursuing my relationship with Christ. And I knew that I had this idea of, well, I still am interested in law and government. I still really love baseball and I really love the Lord. Um, what is a way that I can morph mm. all those three together to have an impact and still fulfill what I feel that I ought to be doing? Um, and that led me to, to want to be a, a, an educator, a teacher, and a coach. Mm. Um, and so I figured I can teach government, criminal justice. Um, I can be a baseball coach, and I can still um, you know, minister to kids in various ways. And so I, you know, I got certified to be a teacher, and, and that was... Um, so you know what seven eight eight years ago maybe and um you know i haven't looked back since and i think that i'm blessed to be doing what i'm doing and i have no regrets um you know being a coach and a, and a teacher how long have you been a head coach i've been a head coach for six years and a head basketball coach for one so you know i coach various sports so a total of seven years i guess i've been a head, head coach and so we're recording this kind of mid mid baseball season so how's the current season going um we're doing great you know i'm i'm blessed to have a bunch of kids who will run uh through a wall for me uh my kids you know living here in dallas i don't have any family i don't have any kin i actually didn't have any friends before i moved to dallas wow and so the backbone uh for me um are my baseball boys and so you know last year we were able to be district champs go to the second round of playoffs almost 20 wins and then this year, you know, we're sitting at 17 and four right now, eight and zero in district. Um, and um, you know, I, we're winning the games we ought to be winning. Um, and every day, the boys are just buying in, and they work hard for me. And so I'm blessed on, on that end. That's awesome. So then, one of the other interesting <laughs> things when we talked on the phone um, to set this up was just about North Dallas High School, um, part of Dallas School District, being considered an inner city school, but. Um, as we're sitting here at the school recording this, you look out the window, and it is anything but looking like inner city, right? It's a very affluent part of Dallas, uptown. So talk about the dynamics of being in the inner city school where I think it's 80, at least 80% of the kids are bussed in, um, but yet when they look out their classroom window, I mean, they see... Uh, luxury apart, uh, condos, apartments, high-end shopping. Yeah. So talk about the dynamics of being in a school that doesn't, I mean, it's old, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, you, in, in your text message to me, you said, hey, let's meet here. She can see our facilities or the lack thereof. So talk about those dynamics. Yeah, so it's, when I interviewed here, I had no clue what I was getting into, um, you know, you first walk in the door and there's a metal detector. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're in the heart of this affluent area. And I, I, I didn't understand what, what that was about. Um, but as I've been here and I told myself, I'll just be here for a year. You know, right. Um, here six years later. You know, what you find is well, we have a 10 to 15 percent homeless population. Mm. Almost 80 percent of our kids get bust in. Uh, obviously, minority-based school. Um and in some cases, in a lot of cases, you know, lacking of facilities and s- some type of resources, uh, you know, that, could, that can be disheartening to some. Uh, but this dynamic that we have here is, you know, I, for lack of a better term, I, I love it. Mm. I, I love the fact that our kids 
and it's a double-edged sword. You know, I love it for the sense that they get to be exposed to what what that looks like and, and getting out of their bubble and understanding the way the world ticks and understanding the power and the value of education. And, and for that sense, I, I really do appreciate where we're at. Uh, but also at the same time, you know, when you look around, there's, you know, every kid that walks through this door, um, there's some type of need. Hmm. And, and every kid in this school has a purpose. And we may not be affluent um, and we may not have um, a lot, um, but I know what we do have at this school, and I'm I, I'm proud to, to to be an educator here and a coach here. Is kids that just that are hungry to learn, that that feel like this is their home as well, and and they take great pride in it. And we have a bunch of educators who do a great job working with our our kids and our coaching staffs here. Is phenomenal. Our principal is is probably the best principal I've ever worked for. Um, she's not only bought in completely to the culture and changing the culture of North Dallas, but also she's networked enough to get, you know, facilities. So what we're having here in a few years is this whole school is going to be pretty much redone. They're adding wow. on uh, the baseball field in the back and the fields are going to be turfed, adding a new gym, new classrooms. It's going to be, um, you know, we got, I believe it was a $45 million bond and she's, you know, helped spearhead that to make changes here at North Dallas to feel these students feel like, hey, you, you are, important and you going to North Dallas is important but it's interesting and you know it, it's tough sometimes you know we're taking BP out on the field and you know you see the Maserati drive by you know or you, you know you see these affluent folks in these condos and you know I, I can't imagine what the kids are thinking because they come from their different pockets and bubbles outside of this area um, but I hope that they they channel that in a positive way to understand that hey you know with the power of education, uh, you, you know, buying into a relationship with Christ, that there's going to be good things that are going to happen to you. And that just because you may not have right now doesn't mean that you can't create it for yourself at one point. And so it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. Is there ever any pushback or resistance from the immediate area for the school being located here? I mean, do you all ever feel that? There are times we have. There are times that... You know, we, we feel that the community looks at us in a, in, a, in a certain way. But generally speaking, we have good neighbors. Um, we have people that care about this neighborhood. We have resources and, and people who have poured into North Dallas um, and, and, you know, the things that we're trying to do here. And, and I think they're starting to see the change. You know, again, I, 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 um, I compliment my principal for, for helping that change. But... Um, you know, when you start to change a culture within a school and you start start changing hearts within the school, um, it becomes much easier for your school not only to rise academically and athletically and not only spiritually, but the community starts to see that. Mm -hmm. And when they start to see that, there's going to be more people who are wanting to invest in, in us. Um, and so we're starting to see that. Up that's there. awesome. And, and that's huge for us. Yeah. Um, and and we're, we're thankful that, um, that the community is, you know, for the most part, welcoming uh, for us. Um, I get that sometimes it could be a nuisance for, for the, especially the affluent shops in here, uh, you know, the condos and all the places here. But when the culture of North Dallas changes, you know, they're going to start realizing that this is a, a school that they potentially would send their kids to, that they'd feel comfortable sending their kids to. And, and that's kind of what makes us proud to be here. That's awesome. So what role does your faith play um, as, a, as a head baseball coach? And then have you had any resistance from either other educators, parents, or athletes towards your faith? So, you know, my, my faith is, is extremely, extremely important to me. You know, there are day, as a coach, you're competitive. Um, you want to win, uh, you know, in the classroom, on the field. And sometimes when those things don't happen, when they don't come to fruition, it's easy to put your head down and, and question things. Uh, but what I learned several years into being here at North Dallas is that, you know, with my faith and with my actions, I'm going to, tr you know, transform kids uh, in a way that only the Lord can fully explain. And so it, it's I, I've been blessed to have, you know, an administration and a baseball program um, that supports me in any which way I, I, I lead the FCA um, Bible study for our, our school, um, along with some other teachers who help out. And 
I don't ever get any pushback on that end. Um, you know, we openly pray in the baseball program. Um, you know, we talk about what it looks like to be a man of faith, <clears throat> but also be a man of character. And so those are principles that have stuck with me. One of the things I always tell myself is if I ever, if I ever get fired for loving the Lord too much, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I'm okay with that. Uh, because I want these boys to understand that they may not get to play ball at the next level. You know, we have a couple that will, but not all of them. But every one of them is going to be a father and a husband. Um, and they're going to be working. They're going to be a citizen. And so some of the things that I, I, I wish to teach every single day, and I try my best, is, you know, being just a man of character, man of faith. What does that look like um, in your everyday life and how to handle adversity? Um, and, and so when that does happen, and I do have boys that come back and, and thank me for that and, and, and talk to me about what that looks like, you know, that's better than, than, a, than a no-hitter. That's better than going 17-4. and four. Mm. That's better than a district title. And um, I've told my boys this every day, that, you know, if they all go on to do great things and they love the Lord, I'll trade that for a state title any day, any day. Um, and I mean that. It's because particularly where we are, they're not afforded a lot. Right. Um, they don't have a lot. In most cases, they don't have a father at home. Um, in most cases, they don't know how they're going to get to school sometimes. And so when you get a group of boys that just come and buy in to what you're, you're teaching every single day and are willing to do it for you and allow for you to do it and then go have success, I mean, that's why I've been here as long as I have is because, you know, the way I see it is, and, and, and I, there are great coaches around the area, uh, all over the state of Texas, and some have uh, more resources than others. And the way I see it for me is what better way to determine how impactful or quality a coach you are then the coach at a place where it's almost a blank cam canvas. You got you got to figure it out. You got to figure out how you're going to make things happen. Um, and whether it's not having balls or bats, whether it's you know you don't have access to this. Um, you know our field back there for practice. It's baseball. It's softball. It's boys soccer. It's girls soccer. All on one field. Wow. All on one field. Figure it out, Stephen, is what you know, I tell myself. You know, there's coach, I, I, I got to work. I got to help my family pay the rent. Coach, I don't know if I can show up today because I have to work, I have to do this. Coach, and, and so that's given me a level of patience and understanding of kind of where they come from, but also, you know, that's where the Lord comes in. And I've been blessed to have a group of people, men in my life who have um, helped pour into these boys. Ben Pollard is one of them. He's through FCA. He's one of my mentors, one of my friends and kind of just allow for these boys to have opportunities. And, you know, since then, you know, my six years here, we've signed, I want to say about 10 boys going to play at the next level for this year. Um, we've won some games and we have community support. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm proud that not only just the success part, but I'm, I'm, I'm most proud that these men from where they were to where they are now is just, you know, like it, it's hard not to get emotional when you think about it. Yeah. Because they don't come from a lot. They don't come from a lot. And in most cases, they, they, they start out as one hand tied behind their back and a, and a leg tied up as well, and they're told to figure it out. And so it, it just I'm, I'm blessed that it affords me the opportunity to try to help navigate them in not only their spiritual life but their athletic life as well. Wow. That's incredible and an encouragement to me. I know, um, just thinking about, how, you know, what you talked about. You know, if you can teach these guys to be men of character and love the Lord, who cares about the other? The wins and losses is just, that's baseball. It, and for some people, that might be a hard pill to swallow because I know we're coaches, we're competitive. We oh, yeah, absolutely. Win. Yeah, you're here to win. My thing is I just, I want to be competitive for the Lord. And... And I'm, I'm imperfect. I'm, I'm not a perfect man, and, and I fall short often. Uh, but I just hope that these, these boys, uh, these students in general, but my boys just kind of look at me and say, you know, he, he's trying to walk the walk. He tries his best. He loves us. He loves the Lord. And you know what? That's what imperfection looks like. And my coach is trying his best, and he's still happy. He's still pr uh, uh, proud. He finds joy in the Lord. If I can just amount to something like that, um, you know, if, they, if that's a thought process for them, I think we're getting where we need to get. You know, you mentioned, um, I think it was 10 guys have gone on the sign to play at the next level for this year. Is there an athlete or a story that comes to mind 
of a young man you've coached that maybe maybe they were maybe it was one of those ten or maybe it was a kid that just wasn't the best at baseball, but you've seen God use you in their life. And I'm sure you've got after six years here, you got story after story, but is there one or two that just yeah. really stands out? Yeah, there's there's definitely plenty of them, but one of the ones is is my current shortstop. Um, when I went to our middle school, our feeder school, um, to go see, you know, their baseball team, I remember walking in the gym and uh, the coach there at the time said, hey, that kid right over there is going to be a great baseball player, but he can't pass his classes and he won't stop fighting. Well, as I literally look at, at him, he's trying to punch a kid in the gym. Hmm. Um, and so I thought, I don't know if this guy's going to fit our, our culture and what we're trying to do at North Dallas. Uh, well, he ends up coming to North Dallas, and the first year, you know, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. You know, he'd get in some fights here and there, wasn't passing his classes, skipping, doing things, and wasn't the most coachable of kids. Um, but it took heart-to-heart conversations, us sitting down, and, and me letting him know kind of what, what it looks like to be a man, what it looks like to be a man of faith, a man of character. You know, he didn't have that structure um, necessarily at, uh, from his father. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, just over the years to see him develop, well, you know, he hasn't felt a class since his freshman year. Um, he's in here at, with FCA doing Bible study. He goes to our summer camps through FCA. Um, he was a first-team all-district shortstop um, last year. This year he's well on his way to being first. He's, he leads the district in, in batting average right now as well. Um, he's one of the leaders on my team. He also signed to go play junior college baseball. Um, and, you know, he texted me the other day, you know, I was talking to the team about, you know, they were a family and sometimes there's some inner dynamics in a family where there might be conflict, but we got to figure out a way to fix it. Um, and he texted me, coach, you know, he thanked me. He said, you, you've showed us how to handle these things and we have your back. Uh, thank you for everything that you've done for me. You know, I remember going a few weeks back when he signed, it was just hard not to cry from, from where he's been to where he is now. Um, and he's always thanking me for just kind of being that, that backbone for him. Uh, and that's been huge for me because, you know, sometimes those small victories for you um, keep you hanging on and allows for you to kind of continue going forward in, in, in places like this. And so, you know, just the way God has worked in his life and allowed for me to work in his life, now he's, he's a yes or no sir kid. He's an A and B kid. He's going to go play college ball. Um, and he's one of the best kids I've ever coached uh, in my life. And he's wow. all of five foot six. Hmm. And the heart on that kid, uh, the demeanor on that kid, um, gosh, it's just it's it's hard not to get emotional about it, you know, because there's countless stories like like his and of young men who just, all right, coach, pour into me, shape me, do what you got to do. I'm here. I love baseball, and that's what we have in common. You know, help me figure out the rest and. He's allowed me to do that, and, and I'm, I'm beyond blessed for, for him, you know, and, and I hope he's one of the ones I want to keep up with for years to come um, and, and just kind of see how the Lord is working in his life because I know he's going to do big things. That's awesome. Wow. So there's no secret that right now culture, our culture is, is divided over a number of things, politics, race, religion, socioeconomic. I mean, look out right here. We're at this end of the school. Yeah. Um, how have you seen, um, whether it's here at North Dallas or um, growing up, where you've seen sports tear down those walls? Oh, countless, countless times. You know, Don English is the head baseball coach at Trinity Christian in Addison. Um, and we, him and I had worked together through um, FCA. We did summer camps together, and I got to know him. He's, he's a revered coach who... Coach at Coppell, and, and he's you know he's won countless games over probably over a thousand games, um, and someone I talk to often. We started scheduling games. I didn't know that North Dallas could compete against um, his program. He said, "Come on over. We want to play you guys. We want to feed you guys afterwards. Have a, a little talk, dive into the word after the game." I didn't know what that looked like. You know, I'm going over there. I'm, you know, if we're going to play a game, I want to beat you, Don. And for those listening, I mean, Trinity Christian is one of the top private schools in yes, the area absolutely. Uh, where it's kind of a different um, total, total opposite of North Dallas High School. Total opposite. 
total opposite. Um, and Kids have everything. Said, they absolutely. Um, you know, uh, you know, they're maybe one of their struggles, and, and, not, and, and I'm sure they have d- unique struggles, but is should I use the Marucci or should I use the Easton bat today, right? Um, and, and now I say that with all due respect. No, I'm I get sure, it. Yeah. I'm sure that Don has some things that he works with those boys with. Um, but we went out there. Um, we lost them 4-1. to one. Um, and we competed. I threw. A, I remember I threw a sophomore on the bump, and lost four to one. I said, "Man, maybe we got a team here." Well, I thought that was the, the biggest part. We end the game. We go eat in their cafeteria. He's got a predominantly white uh, team. I have a predominantly Hispanic team, and all the parents are there as well. And so they're barbecuing for us. And I'm just interested to see the dynamics for us. Yeah. Well, lo and behold, our boys start sitting with their boys. Start making, I mean, they start talking about baseball um, and, and kind of developing uh, relationships and laughing and joking. I'm sitting with their coaching staff, and, and they just welcomed us. And they fed us. Their parents, you know, were, were so kind to us. And, and, and so we did it again the next year. And they all remembered each other, and they talked, and they kept up with each other. Um, and so for our boys to get out of our bubble and them to be exposed to, to, to North Dallas – I think did did huge things for for both programs for us to do that, um, and so that that was a way that I saw that a racial barrier as well and socioeconomic barrier was was um, um, you know shut down and broken down, and was it about a year or two ago we went to a camp at DBU, and our boys we took twelve boys, twelve of the only Hispanic boys probably there, mm. and they had a room it was random roommates, and the kid said. Coach, can can we all room together? Because they have me, you know, sleeping with so and so, and I'm going to be with some random guy here. So no, guys, you got to give it a chance. Well, the first night, I find out that my boys moved their bunk bed or moved their mattress to the same room because they were they were uncomfortable, if you will. They didn't know what it looked like to be able to um, socialize with people from a different area or a socioeconomic background or a race. By day three, I'm going out there because I helped run the camp as well, but I never stayed there. When I went back, pick them up. Not only were they all sleeping with the, the, in the bedrooms that they were supposed to be, I mean, they were hugging and crying, you know, boys from different areas, from, from Decatur, from Argyle, from, from, from Richardson, from all over the place. Um, and they were their friends. And they still to this day will keep up um, with them. And to see that, that just break down, to see that the Lord and baseball broke down what your parents make a year and what your parents make a year. It broke down what your skin color is and what your mm. skin color is. And so to see them just kind of bridge this gap and, and unite over baseball and the Lord, I, I remember crying just thinking about, hey, you two days ago you were moving your mattresses in one room because you were uncomfortable. That's powerful. And now you don't want to leave because you met amazing people. And so just as much as I think it's important for, you know, for those who are fluent or or white America, I guess, to see this. I think it's equally as important for our, our, our type of boys, our minority boys, to be exposed to that, to understand that even despite the social media age, even despite this truly polarized time that we live in, uh, particularly with um, um, racial issues and socioeconomic issues, that if there's a common denominator, particularly Christ, you're going to start tearing down a lot of walls. Amen. That's good. And... And if we can find the one common denominator, not only just in baseball, but just in general, um, we're going to start to see a lot of good things happen in this world. And we get to see it now. And now when we go out to tournaments and we're the only Hispanic team, our, it's, our boys aren't phased. They're respectful. They're kind. They make friends. They talk. They compete. It's not something that is um, novel to them. It's not new to them. And so, you know, I, I think that you know, baseball's afforded us to do that, but through Christ, it's allowed for us to just break those barriers down and to see that, hey, they bleed the same blood. Uh, we bleed the same blood, and, and no matter what type of background we have, you know, you love the Lord and you compete in baseball, you're gonna you're gonna see some wonderful things shape out in your life. And so, you know, those are just a couple of stories, just to name, wow. uh, on, on just barriers being just broken down. Um, and even for me, I'll say it from a personal standpoint. I remember when I first got here, I was the only Hispanic coach in my district. I was young. And I remember, and they're not really talking to me. They ain't really looking at me. <laughs> Nobody cares what I have to say in this meeting. And, and it, was, it was an odd experience for me. 
Is he young? Is it because I'm Hispanic? What is it? And I try not to go negative thoughts. Oh, maybe I need to prove myself. I don't know what it is. So there was a chip on my shoulder for a while. I realized, man, these are all good men. They, they really are good men. But it was something that I, I wasn't fully exposed to entirely. And so to be able to just then develop relationships with these coaches, um, now most of the coaches that I'm friends with are, are, are of different race or of a higher socioeconomic status that pour into me and will call me to, to help pour into them. And so, you know, that also worked in my life as well to understand that, you know, th there's nothing that separates us um, at all. Uh, and so I've been, I've been blessed to just see it for the past six years just to play out in a way that I've never seen before. Uh, and it's inspiring. It really is. And, and that's why living in the society that we do right now, I'm very hopeful that despite this polarized time that we're in right now, that we are going to get get around the corner and we're going to be okay. Uh, so long as it, you know, faith is a big part of that. But we just start and, and shut up and listen. Sometimes let's just, mm, let's just let's that's just good. Let's just talk. Sounds so simple, but yes. that's good. Let's just talk. Let me hear what your, let me hear your story. Um, and you'll find that even even the TCAs or every every kid on that team, everybody, you know, whether it's Don or his kids or any other team that we played, they have, their kids have stories too, um, equally as important as ours. Ours are a little different, um, but we can maybe find common ground on what those stories are like. And through baseball and through Christ, we're going to be friends. We're going to be okay. And and that's that's a beautiful thing. It really is. That's such an encouragement, but it's also a beautiful picture of the way. Christ designed the church as a whole, right? Absolutely. You know, Paul talks about we're all one body, just different parts. We're not all the hands, we're not all the feet, we're not all eyes. But if we would all just come together and view it as in culture, we're all one. It doesn't matter how much money you make, what your skin color is. But like you said, let's let's find something in common. Yes. You know, it may be talking about sports. It may be whatever it is. Find something in common and then... We can move forward, and I, I think we could tear down a lot of walls that way. That's good. Absolutely, and and you know, going to the village for as many years as I have, you know, it's it's a bunch of millennials, uh, white millennials, <laughs> um, great church, um, and initially I'm sitting in there as well. Like what? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but as the Lord's talking to you in there, and when you realize that nobody sees you the way you think you see or the way you see yourself. Um, that they only want to pursue your heart because the common denominator is Christ. You start to realize it does not even matter, um, and that's been that's been inspiring for me as well. And 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 my pursuit of Christ and actively going to church and what that looks like. And so um, it's it's huge for me. And and I'm 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 glad that uh, the Lord has allowed for baseball to be um, a factor in that. Yeah, I mean, really, I really am proud. And quick side story: when I my second, third year here, I was assisting girls soccer. I was helping out, and there was about seven to nine girls who didn't go to church. Um, so another coach and I would take them every Sunday to the village, mm. and they were apprehensive at first. I don't know, I don't know, coach. No, so every Sunday it was coach, are we going? Coach, are we going? So it forced me to also be disciplined as well. So we started continuously going. You know, the pastors there at the village, game room for them. Hey, we're going to feed them today. Hey, when they want a playoff game, we want to call them up and acknowledge them at church. I mean, they, they felt an identity at a church that they wouldn't ordinarily have even gone to um, or even go to church in general. And, you know, to this day, most of those girls are, you know, active in the church or they, they have a, a heart for Christ. And, and that was just breaking down that barrier. And so people at the village started welcoming those girls and the soccer girls in North Dallas. And, and they're all Hispanic girls and just kind of sitting in the front row. And it was just a cool experience for them to get out of their bubble, but also see that the church um, welcomed them. And, and the common denominator was Christ. That's awesome. Wow. You talked about uh, Coach English and you said there's some other guys that, you know, pour into you or you... Um, pour into. I want to ask you to offer some advice to a student athlete or a coach that's listening. That you know, maybe they are a believer, but not every um, school setting, especially a public school setting, not everyone is um, as open for, especially a coach to, to be bold in their face. So, how would you encourage a coach or a student athlete that that is a believer and wants to better use their platform they have through athletics? You know. <clears throat> What I'm always, you know, what I've taken from others is, is, is to, you know, 
if Christ is your focal point, then everything else is trivial in, in, in nature. And when we start to realize that the, the winning or the just um, the wanting to be great at everything or this relationship or that relationship, when we start focusing on that and we lose focus on Christ is when that all breaks down. And so, you know, my mentors have poured into me about understanding the now. What does it look like right now um, as far as what you're trying to build with the young men and women that you encounter every day? And so, you know, you may not see it clear as day right now. Um, but as I mentioned my shortstop, four years later, I see it. And so when one of the things that I would just tell others is <clears throat> allow for the Lord to wreck your heart in the most beautiful way. Hmm. And, and, and the word wreck is it may be messy. Um, it will be imperfect. You will fail. Uh, more times than not, you'll fail. You're going to lose. There's going to be some things that are going to hurt. And that, that are just going to devastate you in a lot of ways. But if you allow for the Lord to wreck your heart in the most beautiful way, and you allow for Him to mold that and shape that, you're going to find that the walk becomes a whole lot easier mm. in everything that you do. And that's one of the things I try to hold true is that not, not just when it's losing a game, but in a classroom or with the relationship with my family um, or any relationship that I have is how, how do I allow for this to... Um, to grow my relationship with Christ. And, and you may not see it in that moment, um, but, but days down, years down, what does that look like? And if you're patient enough, if you're understanding enough, if you're actively aware that you're an imperfect person, then you're going to find that you're, 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 you're getting much closer to Christ, but in a joyful way, and in, in, in a way that is meaningful. Um, and so that, that's what I would just say is just be aware of who you are, but, but also understand that you're going to get curveballs. You're going to get curveballs. You're going to get OO curveballs. And no mm -hmm. one wants an OO curveball. Understand what that looks like. And, and whether it's a 02 curveball, it may not be my best swing, but I need to put the ball in play. And, and it, like in life, it, things may not be what I want it to be. And it may not shape out the way I intended it for, to be. But as long as I give it my best and I'm trying to pursue Christ, I'm okay with the, the productive out. I'm okay with getting the runner over. And so that's kind of what I would I would um, tell others, whether it's coaches or, or players, is just you know try to be disciplined and in, in, in pursuit of Christ. That's good. So a lot of people have what they call a life verse or favorite scripture. So I was going to ask you if you'd encourage us with a scripture, or maybe it's one that God is using in your life recently. Yeah, I mean the one that comes to mind is is Ecclesiastes nine ten. Um, that's whatever you find your hands to do, do with all your might. Um, you know, I grew up with a mother who endured a lot, um, and she never complained. Mm. Um, she raised four kids, got a degree, um, worked multiple jobs, and has stayed obedient to Christ in ways I've never seen another human being do it. And she is the most perfect woman I've ever met. And, you know, talking about her just brings joy to, joy to me. And the reason that scripture is important to me is because between all the things that she had to encounter and all the things that we as Christians have to encounter, um, you know, you still have a job to do. You still have, you still have to actively pursue Christ and do things the way, you, you know, that, that um, glorifies Him. And so I see that from my mother every single day. And so whatever you find your hands to do, do with all your might. Do it with a purpose. There's got to be purpose. You've got to be intentional with what you're doing. And, you know, I, I think it was uh, Stephen F. Austin or, excuse me, Sam Houston State coach who said, you know, being transformational over transactional um, is important as a coach. And, you know, whenever you do everything with your might, you're going to realize that that means being transformational not just transactional. It's not just saying, well, I'm going to work extra hard just because I want, an extra, uh, I want to win more. It means I'm going to be intentional with what I want to do today to maybe transform a life today. Um, and I'm going to do that with all my might. I'm going to be purposeful. And so that's, that's, that scripture really stands out to me and something that I, you know, you know, I follow daily. I try to at least. I love it. And a little side note for those listening is we're sitting here actually in Stephen's classroom, and right behind his desk is a 
pretty big board with that scripture painted on it. Yes, sir. The reference. I mean, the first thing I saw when I walked in was Ecclesiastes 9.10. And I intentionally did not ask you about it because <laughs> uh, I knew we would talk about, uh, you know, a favorite verse in, in, in this conversation. So I was just curious if, you know, to hear the story behind that. That's awesome. Yes. One last question. Two words in sports that's everywhere. It's all in. And we know what that means. Yes, You sir. know, it's giving it all. But Jesus is very clear that if we're going to be a follower of His, that's what He asks of you and me. Absolutely. You know, deny ourselves, pick up a cross, and follow Him. Um, Paul, the theme verse of our organization, Colossians 3.17. I'll paraphrase it, but Paul says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever you say, whatever you think, whatever you do. So I want to ask you, just to close it out with, this is probably one of my favorite questions to ask. What does it mean for you, Stephen, to be all in your daily walk with Christ? What does that, what does that look like for you? It means taking the good with the bad every single day. Um, when I clock in every morning, I understand that half the kids that I'm about to encounter, they're going through a situation that I have no clue about. Mm. And if I'm their only, only, only person that they encounter all day, Gosh darn, it, it, it better be a good experience for them. It better be an intentional experience for them. It better be a way that I'm showing what Christ looks like because that may be the only opportunity that they get to see that. Um, and my boys, my baseball program, I mean, it's a grind. Baseball season's a grind. And, and to be able to show them that through the ups and the downs and how to overcome adversity and how to be men of faith, to see that, in the midst of some ugliness, in the midst of bad things, um, to me, it's accepting the good with the bad. You know, when we're winning and my test scores are great and everybody, oh, great job, coach, great job, coach, great job, coach. You know, I, thank you. I appreciate that. But also there's the ugly part, right? There's the messy part sometimes. And to be all in is to have a understanding that it's going to be both and you need to be able to be so focused on Christ that you're able to handle both um, in, in, a, in, a, in, in a way that allows for your, your student athletes or anybody in your life to say, man, that guy, he loves the Lord. And if that's what people say when I pass, that I love the Lord and I tried my best to, to, to be all in, that's it. Right? My record's not going to go with me. Um, my test scores aren't going to go with me. There's a lot of things that are not going to go with me. But if someone can say, that guy helped me um, to love Christ, and he also tried his best to walk that life, and he was all in, in the good and the bad, um, that, that's really, that, that says all you need to say about me. Um, and to be clear, I'm nowhere there, uh, there yet. I'm, I'm an imperfect man. Um, but that's something that I, I, I try to focus on every day. Um, and being all in, and that's why I, I you know, I was researching uh, a few <laughs> weeks ago and reading all through that, and I'm like, this is good, this is good, this all in. Like, what does this look like? And breaking down boundary, uh, barriers, and, and and kind of pursuit of Christ, and and so that's, that's what we preach here. And so I was just glad that that you know I'm having an opportunity to do this because um, that's what we that's what we talk about every day. Um, it's something that's important to me, and 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 my baseball program, um, they hear this often, and. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for this opportunity, but I, being all in is understanding. There's going to be some bad, but how do you handle that? Um, and so, particularly where I'm at. And so I like I that, that because, you know, I ask that question to a lot of people, and I get, you know, a different answer every time. But I, I like how you said, you know, it is taking the good and the bad. I had a guest, um, I, I can't remember who it was just the last couple of weeks, and he said, you know what, it's, it's all about giving God the glory in the wins and giving God the glory in the losses. Absolutely. You know, as a coach or an athlete, it's easy in sports, you know, when someone wins the Super Bowl or wins the World Series, and I want to thank God. Yep. You go interview the losing team, you may not hear that as much, right? Absolutely. And so it is. It's truly every day. Um, and not just in, in your case as an educator and a coach. I think in my case, when I go to work every day, you know, I may have a coworker that's going through something. I have no clue what they're going through. Absolutely. And I need the perspective, and that's kind of what I wrote down here in my notes as a reminder for me, is I need the perspective to live like Christ every day in my work and be more intentional because I don't know what my coworker's going through. It's not just in sports. That's good. And 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 part of that, what's important is, is you know, when I, I get upset, you know, well, we didn't get over on a bunk coverage. I'm upset about it. 
that's me being imperfect. Mm. But where I try to be all in is how do I handle that? Mm. What is the way for me then to model what it looks like after the fact? And that's where we come through. Hey, man, you know, I apologize for that. This is what this is supposed to look like, you know, and, and, and coming full circle with it and understanding that with the good, the bad, that, hey, there's still this is what matters. There's a focal point that matters. And so it's in it's in the most minute of things and it's in the larger of things. Um, but being all in is you're committed and, and good, bad and different. You're committed. That's awesome. man. I appreciate it. I know it's a busy time in the middle of the season, so I appreciate your willingness to do this. I, I thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. Wow. What an incredible testimony. What an incredible conversation. I'm not even sure I know where to begin to summarize, but just you got a glimpse of his passion, of his heart for loving young men, using the platform he has to coach for leading people to Jesus. His encouragement to us is to keep Christ our main focus. You know, just allow the Lord to work in our heart, to be intentional. That was my takeaway. It's to, with everything I do, to be intentional, whether it's at home, at work, in ministry, um, just in my relationships. And, and also, you know, we got to handle the good times and the bad times. we got to take the good and take the bad because every day is not going to be a good day. We're going to have struggles, and it's how we deal with that, that that builds us up, makes our character stronger. But I can tell you this young man is, is making an incredible impact for the kingdom of God at North Dallas High School. You know, about... Just the way he views the, the kids at the school is not every kid has a need, but that every kid has a purpose. Speaking life into these young men and these young ladies through his teaching, through his coaching baseball, that everybody has a purpose. And that's, that's a word for you and me, that we all have a purpose. We need to find our purpose, and we need to walk in that purpose every day. And it starts with keeping Christ as our main focus. So thanks again, Stephen, for joining us. I hope that you will share this episode with family and friends that need need some encouragement. Um, I, I believe that this is one of the most powerful episodes we've pushed out. So I, I hope you'll help us spread this one because God uses stories like Stephen's to change lives. You have a story. I have a story. God uses stories. We love hearing from you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Send us a message. All In Sports Outreach on Facebook or our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Also, not only can you send us messages, interact with us, you can find out who we are, why we do what we do. You can see opportunities to pray for us, to serve with us, to give. The last thing I'm going to ask you is that you would go to iTunes and leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the greater the platform to continue this podcasting journey and shining the light of Jesus. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you.